Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us again. I am going to take on an emotionally challenging topic, mass shootings. So we're going to get right after it. Got to figure this out. Look, as a, as a nation, uh, this is a problem. Uh, it's not a new problem. This has been going on since I was a, a young child. And the question is, has it gotten worse? In some ways, yes. And in others, no. I'm going to provide you some data. I want to talk about three different areas that I want to focus on. And I'm going to break them down. My hope is that I highlight some areas that don't get a lot of attention. Because at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to uh, one another. And I want to emphasize that we have a responsibility to one another. Uh, this is, I'm going to definitely address the political angle but I am not going to take a political stance. Uh, you will hear some of my undertone uh, because of my background, and I'll go ahead and share some of that uh, when I get to it. But I am at the point now, um, when my wife brought this to me yesterday in in tears, uh, I, I'm, I'm at this point where we just, we have to find a way to solve more of the problem. And so I'm going to tell you what I see and, uh, you know, you're going to probably see things that I don't see. Please engage in this conversation. Let's find a way to start solving some of these problems. It's not as easy to solve as some of you might think, but we've got to give it attention. So the raw data, I went to a site. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you, I actually went to two of them. Uh, my guess is that they're uh, they're doing similar things, probably getting their data from similar sources, stuff like that. Um, but let's start with this. The data that's out there is not good. It's it's not good data. And and I say that because, and, and these, these folks will openly admit that their data is coming from so many sources, uh, they, they, there's going to be inaccuracies. Uh, they do claim that they are trying their best. If somebody tells them that the data is inaccurate, then they go back and they they uh, evaluate it to see the accuracy or inaccuracy. But the data isn't good because we don't have a, a very clear system of creating the data. Uh, so you know, what, what they consider a mass shooting uh, oftentimes means that they're disregarding other information. Uh, they went raw data to four or more people are shot, and that would be considered a mass shooting. Well, we know that there are situations of gang violence in any major metropolitan where four or more people are going to get shot, and that is considered a mass shooting. And it is absolutely a mass shooting by that definition. But it's it's not a more random mass shooting like, like some of them that we see where there is no motive. There's, they're, they're pinpointing and they're targeting. And I, I do personally view that differently, but we can't decipher that in this data. It's just not, it's not clear. 
So keep that in mind, that the data is is not the best data in the world. It doesn't account for enough of the variables for it to be a clear picture of what's really going on. And at the same time, the data is disturbing. You can't look at this data and not be disturbed by it. Uh, I just, I can't imagine a scenario where, where I would be like, yeah, well, that sounds about right. Like, no, I just, I, I can't imagine that. Um, so today when we're looking at the data, it's four more people are shot and it doesn't account for the storylines behind them. It is not by it, murder is different. So they do attempt to uh, decipher between what they considered targeted murder of four or more people. Uh, but again, the, the data just cannot clearly define that well. Um, the source that I'm using, just so you know, it's massshootingtracker.site. And they admit their own bias. So that's important. I want to tell you that there is a bias to some of this data. Uh, and that being said, uh, that, that doesn't mean it's all for nothing. Their, their bias, their, their bias will simply um, swing some of the data probably one way or the other. Uh, I'm going to be clear that the data that I'm about to provide you is from a site that says they want more gun control, which I'm going to be really blunt with you. I don't necessarily subscribe to that concept. Uh, and I'll tell you why later on when I get to the political stuff. The um, mistakes, like I said, if there are mistakes in it, they do try to address those. So I very much appreciated that. So raw data, I just want to real quick, uh, want to, want to highlight, um, I want to highlight their, their big, bold numbers. U.S. mass shootings in 2022 so far, they report 253 that seems like a pretty significant amount. Unfortunately, that is down from the last few years. That's really sad. Uh, and, and I'll explain why that, that is down from the last few years. The number of mass shootings per day is down. There have been years where we've had 500 plus mass shootings in a year. That is nearly... Uh, what was that? 1.7, 1.8 a day. This is the data that they're providing. This year, we're 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 not quite at that level, and their data goes back to 2013. Since 2013, there's been 4,635 mass shootings. That's a lot of shootings, and there has only been one day since the last mass shooting. The this is one of those interesting things. What brought this up is what happened in, uh, in Texas. But since Texas, there was one more shooting that happened in Philadelphia and probably won't get much media attention. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing that because the number of dead and injured, uh, there were four injured and no dead. And so... Oftentimes, that is you know, one of the things that makes these go into uh, media overdrive. Uh, the one in Texas two days ago, 22 dead, 17 injured, and that's what we believe to be current. That's the big picture data. So in 2000, 
and I'm going to pull up this data. So hang in there with me for just a moment. In 2013, there were uh, shootings per day at 0.93. There were 467 killed and 1,176 wounded. In 2014, 325 shootings. That's a 0.92 per day. 364 killed and over 1,200 wounded. In 2015, 371 shootings. That's a 1.05 per day and 469 killed, 1,387 wounded. Stick with me. We're going to go through this pretty quickly. In 2016, there were 477 shootings, 1.34 per day, 606 killed, 1,781 wounded. 2017, 427 shootings, that's 1.17 killed, 590 as I was, 1.17 per day, 590 killed, 1,981 wounded. 2018, 426 shootings. That's 1.2 per day. Killed would be 528 and wounded 1,549. In 2019, 503 shootings. 1.42 per day. Killed 629. Wounded 1,901. In 2020, there were 696 shootings. That's 1.96 per day. 661 were killed, 2,750 were wounded. Let me remind you, that is the year that the pandemic started. So people theoretically were supposed to be at home isolating for a portion of that year. And yet it is to this to this point, the worst year that we have recorded. I find that to be pretty interesting. In 2021, there were 818 shootings. That's 2.23 per day. Again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There were 920 killed, 3,141 wounded. And then so far in 2022, there are 253 shootings. That's a 1.73 per day. 303 have been killed. 1,029 so far have been wounded, and we're not halfway through the year yet. We're getting close, though. So I read all of that data because I wanted you to have real information. I want you to understand the breadth of this challenge. That is thousands and thousands of people have been wounded. And we know that the politics are going to take you down one path or the other and say there's only one path or the other. It's gun rights or gun restrictions. And I say that's a load of garbage. It's part of the story. It cannot be our solution. And I'll tell you why. There's a mental health component. I don't know if you heard me, but as I was reading the data, 2020 and 2021 were our worst years on record. It's by far the worst on record. Not even close. 
And those two years, we had a pandemic. We had a lot of political uh, charged uh, news. And we had more shootings. And we had more deaths. And we had more wounded. It cannot be a coincidence from my perspective. We are uh, designed mental health wise. We are designed to be in relationship, in community. I'll get to more of that in a minute. The other part I want to look at, besides politics and the mental health stuff, I want to look at just good and evil. Like there's, there's going to be people who are going to be frustrated with the fact that I'm taking on this per- particular part of the conversation. I get it. And the reality is, there has been good and evil since the beginning of our recorded history. Good and evil. And sometimes evil is going to be right in front of our face. It's going to happen. And if we're not acknowledging that there is a good and an evil, I think it's a huge, huge miss, not just for mental health, but for politics and for community. We have got to consider the role of good and evil. We just have to. It's been here since the beginning of time. Why now are we pretending that it's not there? Well, not, I'm not saying we as in everybody, but a lot of people are pretending that we can separate the church and state. That there, there is, you know, the, the, though there's the right to worship whatever God you want, doesn't mean that if you're going out there and you're worshiping Satan, that you're going to get the same outcome. You're not. A hundred percent, you won't. So I want to address that a little bit. So I'm going to break down the politics a tiny bit. I want to start with something that may may cause some tension. The use of mass shootings um, by politicians for their own legislative outcomes, at times, it's honestly, it's gross to me. It's just disgusting. We, we need to pause and think about those people that are wounded and killed. But then, instead of trying to turn them into a vote, we need to talk about how to create better community. Because that's the backdrop. That is the backdrop. You know, in, in, in a, uh, you know, a more uh, collaborative, unified community, uh, I, I think... I think we could solve more problems. But when we take the political sides of going to our side and fighting against the other side, we miss the opportunities to come together and create real solutions. My wife was asking me last night, why would somebody need an an AR-15? Well, great. I'm a bit... uh, uh, mixed on my emotions for this. I don't want to necessarily regulate gun use, right? But do you really need it? I mean, my my response to her last night was, I would rather take my hunting rifle than an AR-15 because for me, it makes more sense for what I'm doing. Um, but does that mean that an AR-15 is, is a bad weapon? 
for uh, you know, for some people who are running into a mass shooting situation, I'm going to be honest. I would rather have an AR-15 if I'm going into a mass shooting situation because I can put more rounds down range quickly. For those of you who don't know, I spent some time in the military. And when you come into a, a conflict, you don't want to go into a, a, a gun battle with a knife. If they have an AR-15, I need to be able to match or exceed their weaponry. That's really the rule of thumb. And to be honest, you know, the, we know we know the, the the best the best weapon, well, in the military at least, the best weapon of all usually is probably a sniper rifle and, and a well-trained human being. They they can do massive amounts of damage and they can live to do it again tomorrow and the day after and the day after. So, yes, I don't want to go into the middle of uh, you know, an urban warfare with a rifle, it's probably not going to serve me the best. But having a three-round burst or an AR-15 in that situation might be the best. Now, I say all of that because legislatively, there's not they're not going to acknowledge that. So they're going to say, let's take all the AR-15s off. Let's just ban that weapon. First of all, when we do that, we end up with the political um, uh, allying. You know, no, we can't ban that because they're already out there. Well, then let's pull them off. But then that's that's gun rights violations. So what do we do when this problem already exists? Maybe uh, you know a potential solution is to stop making certain weapons as opposed to banning them. Because over time, many of those weapons, just by nature of people not taking care of them, them falling into you know the hands of law enforcement, they will filter out. And we can take a more long-term view perspective. I don't know. I'm not in those political rooms. But it's something to consider. Don't forget this in the political arena. They are going for your vote. They want your vote. So they're going to say what they think you want to hear, right or wrong. There are people in politics who have moral underpinnings, and that I'm super grateful for. I'm glad there are some. And at the end of the day, they still want and need your vote. And so how they defend um, our rights is, is really going to depend on which side of the aisle you fall on or whether you can be reasonable, rational, come to the middle and come up with a better solution and say, this is what I want you to fight for. Okay. Let's take a trip down the mental health stuff. I want to start with, it does not account for all shootings. It just doesn't. Matter of fact, I would propose to you that not only does it not account for all of the mass shootings, uh, but there is a bigger problem than the individual mental health. And I've already stated it a couple of times. Community health. The mental health of an individual is only going to be as good as the community that is supporting that individual. And vice versa. Right? When the community gets stronger, the individual then can get stronger. And so I would say it's as much a failure of our communities as it is our uh, individual mental health processes, our communities. When a child goes to a school 
and they are put in the spotlight, telling them, keep secrets, tell lies, be deceptive, because your parents can't handle the information, which many children have been told. We know that. It's been documented. That's a problem. That's a community not willing to work together. What happened to the teachers in the community working together? In some communities, they do. and They do a remarkable job. In other communities, not so much. Why? They circle back to political things. You know, we want to, uh, we want to be supportive of uh, LGBTQ plus and so on. But however, that the rest of that goes now. Uh, when I was when I was growing up, we heard LGBT and then LGBTQ and then LGBT and, and it just so. But those conversations, those conversations need to be had by grown adults that are being reasonable. They're not supposed to be thrown in front of a child who doesn't understand it, who can't, who can't understand why some adult would ever tell them to keep a secret, tell a lie, or be deceptive. Because lies, secrets, and deception, I'm telling you, I know this clinically, are the major reason for dysfunction. Lies, secrets, and deceptions. If I can get rid of lies, secrets, and deceptions, I can walk somebody down a healthy path. I can do that. When I have somebody comes comes to me and they say uh, blank, 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 blank about their wife or their husband or their son or their parents, and I ask the question, well, have you talked to them about it? Well, no. Lies, secrets, deceptions. Lies, secrets, and deceptions. Because lies, secrets, and deceptions create blind spots. They correlate. If you have... 10 lies, secrets, or deceptions, then you're going to have 10 plus blind spots. If you have zero lies, secrets, and deceptions, which we can't truly ever get to zero because the secrets, sometimes in that secrets category, we unknowingly have secrets. Like we don't realize that it's a, a secret. And you know, it's that, that rule of thumb about privacy and secrets, which you can go back and listen to a former podcast I did on that. And so when we encounter those lies, secrets, and deceptions, we guarantee encounter dysfunction, whether that's familial dysfunction or individual dysfunction. And so what are we doing by choosing sides? We are encouraging lies, secrets, and deceptions. Our communities are failing in this area. Social media is not the right avenue. I am certain of that. Do I think social media can be a support? Maybe. But we got to remember social media has an agenda also. So how much of a support can they truly be when they have their own agenda? Whether their agenda is in agreement with us or in disagreement with us, they still have their own agenda. So I don't think that social media is going to solve the problem. It creates too much of an echo chamber for too many people, or it's overwhelming. So even if it's not an echo chamber, let's say they went and they just made it, you know, no algorithm. They just went to raw information. It comes to you if it comes to you. And if it's too far down and you never see it, well, it's so be it. You weren't on enough. Let's say they went to that. Then the reality is what gets talked about the most will get spun up the most. 
it means it'll be there more often and you're more likely to be exposed to it. So there'll be bots, there'll be people out there that are literally just tagging it thousands of times just to make sure many people see it. I mean, honestly, for a business model, it's not a bad idea, right? If I could get my business tagged 10 million times, I'm never going to be without work. We have to go back and emphasize community. It just has to be that these small communities, you know, we got to get more involved at the individual level within our community. That's what mental health is telling me. That's what it tells me. You can disagree with the person and still have respect for the person. Well, let's get back to that, that we, we can have respect and disagree. That would be fantastic. And I say get back to it, but truthfully, we, we've never fully been there, right? We look, we look historically at all the conflicts that have ever come up and they're constant. There's not a year that goes by without major conflicts, So let's work in the direction of creating a stronger community that will stabilize those individuals. And that's really what I'm saying. You know, we got to emphasize the community to support the individual. I'll give you another example real quick. When I worked in residential care, and that is a tough environment because the kids, they don't really want to be there. And I don't blame them. You know, they belong at home in the big picture. They just weren't stable enough to be at home. So we bring them in and we oftentimes were able to create a stable enough environment. Although I have been in an experience where the, the environment was unstable at the, at the residential program. And that is its problem of its own. But let's say they come in and we're able to create a stable environment for them, a predictable, manageable environment. And then we send them back home, but the home environment is the same as it was when they left. Nothing really changes. They go back to the old patterns because that's the way they knew how to manage in that environment. So changing the environment is important, but it doesn't necessarily fix the problem, which is why if you pull all of the guns out, look, evil's going to find a way. They, you know, they'll switch, they'll go, they'll go buy ropes and hammers again, you know, and the knives, like it, it's, it will take on a different look, but it'll still be a similar problem. You, you might say, well, yeah, but if you got a knife, you're, you're not going to be able to kill, uh, you know, 22 people at a time. I agree with that argument. And there will be people who find ways to kill multiple people. It's just, it's, it's what evil does. So if we're trying to make a better community, I got to emphasize this. This is so underutilized in therapy. It drives me crazy as a private practitioner of therapy. It drives me nuts. I put out information about groups and sometimes we fill them up and sometimes we don't. Why are people not taking advantage of group therapy opportunities? An opportunity to be side by side with somebody else in their own community, talking about something that they're struggling with that the other person is also struggling with. I'll give you an example. Couples. I, you know, I put out a, a, a marketing flyer about, you know, let's do some couples counseling. I want to get four couples so that we have eight people. Crickets. Nothing. Anxiety. Sometimes I fill it, sometimes I don't. You know, it depends. And then we have to target the audience. Why cannot, why can we not have adults in with teenagers? 
People think that that's like, what, but that would be weird. Yes and no. Who is bridging the gap between adulthood and teenage life? If we don't get together and have those conversations, letting the kids see what adults struggle with, let the adults see what the kids are struggling with. How do we do it? The answer is right now, we don't. We don't do it. Unfortunately, that causes some of this problem. So groups, groups, groups. We've got to do more groups. Got to do more AA groups. Got to do more anxiety and depression groups. More grief and loss groups. More groups on trauma. Groups, groups, groups. Please get involved in a group. Find a therapist and ask them if they want to run a group. Because that will help take steps in the right direction. Because truthfully, as a therapist, it's very hard and it's very disheartening. I spend a few hours getting things ready. I put stuff out there and one of my five groups takes hold. Sometimes none. All right, the last piece. Got to hit this. Got to hit this before we wrap up. Evil and good. We can go back to the very beginning of recorded history and there has been evil and good. You know, you can go back to Adam and Eve. You can go back to, uh, you know, Cain and Abel. These, these are biblical history, but it's history. If you look at history, you will see good and evil. If you look at the, the Roman Empire, there's good and evil. If you look at uh, any culture that exists today, any of them, you're going to see good and evil today, you will see good and evil yesterday, and you will see good and evil 2,000 years ago in any of the cultures. Why am I pointing that out? Because unless we acknowledge that evil exists, we let our guard down and things like this can happen. We have got to acknowledge that there is a good and an evil. And that those will have an impact on us. I'm not here to tell you what you have to believe. I'm not. Because I told you from the beginning, I'm going to take a therapeutic stance. And it's not my role as a therapist to tell you what you have to believe. But if you ignore the reality that there is good and evil, you are opening the door for evil to get in and cause you problems and to cause us problems. So take a look at what is good and what is evil. I can tell you this for sure, because this is a mental health thing. Love, healthy, appropriate love is good. When we have appropriate and healthy physical affection, words of affirmation, gifts, that's good stuff. For those of you who don't know, I was just highlighting a few of the uh, five love languages. Love is good. Forgiveness is hard. We know it to be also good. When we forgive others, it is helpful, not just to them, but to us as well. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because I have got to reinforce that if evil can get in, it will. And if we focus on doing good, we can overcome all evil, all of it. I really, truly believe that from a therapeutic standpoint, because I know when I get a client 
to spend more time, energy, and resources on love and forgiveness, their life becomes happier. Their future becomes more optimistic and hopeful. In the midst of chaos, they can see opportunity by inserting love, forgiveness, and acknowledgement of reality. I went over a lot of stuff in this. My hope is that you were tracking with me and that some of this helped you in your conversations in this really dark situation, as well as all of them that have happened since 2013 that I read to you. There has been thousands. We cannot forget and we cannot ignore them. Thank you so much for joining me and have a great day.